Welcome to the Conspiracy of Light podcast, a podcast where Josue and I get to geek out about Babylon 5. Hey, Josue, what's up? Greetings, somebody. <laughs> excited, as always. Excellent. So today we're talking about Grail, which is uh, part of the Season 1 series for Babylon 5. We're working our way through mm-hmm. all these uh, different episodes. And uh, Grail comes along. It's not necessarily a a uh, connected story in the sense of like building on the underlying themes that we've been dealing with, but you can kind of see glimpses of things. Um, and there were and hints. some of hmm, there were hints. There were hints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just little nods to the fact that we're in a story arc, but we're not necessarily pushing the story arc forward right now. We're just giving you little glimpses into what could be or what might be. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, after watching the last episode and, and being pretty disappointed with TKO, what are your thoughts on Grail? <laughs> I was thinking, well, this is the same type of episode, but I completely cared way more about everything that happened <laughs> in this one. Uh, although I do I do have one complaint, and I, I'm gonna, I want to come up with a name for this complaint. I don't know. Uh, okay. I, I, I hope it doesn't come up more often, but just in case. And like maybe like you see, me. it might be a theme in in the series. Uh, well, well, no, no. My complaint is that there was no Jakar in this episode, and I want Jakar <laughs> in every episode. And so I'm very disappointed at that. <laughs> so the Jakar free, uh, yeah, that it's it's tough. Uh, Jakar needs to be in every episode. I agree. Um, I've, I've I've come up with like a like an unofficial rule for myself. Which is that I'm I'm going to be disappointed if Jakar is not there, unless Kosh is there. So, yeah, okay. So if Kosh is there, <laughs> then then it offsets the disappointment of not having Jakar there. So so in the end, I'm okay. I'm okay with this episode. I like it. You got a little <laughs> bit of Kosh, just a little bit of Kosh. Got some Kosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was it was and it was good kosh, you know? It was Yeah. It was the kind of kosh that I like. <laughs> it's a single line, but it was kosh. <laughs> so it was a couple lines. It was it was Were two wise. Yeah, it was why, why and good. Why? Three words. Yeah, okay. Why, why, yeah. good. Yes. Good. <laughs> <laughs> good. <Yeah. laughs> so that's my only complaint about the episode. Other than that, I'm I'm actually afraid of how long this episode may actually end up being uh, due to the subject matter and the two people having this discussion. Uh, <laughs> because it does have to do with uh, you know religion and spirituality and belief and faith and things like that. So you know, let's try to let's try to rein ourselves in a little bit. Okay, Woody. We'll we'll, we'll do. I'll I'll do my best. <laughs> I, 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 so yeah, so let's, I mean, let's start here. Yeah, start let's there. just take yeah. a step off the deep end here. Is there anything that you are on a Grail quest for yourself? That's a that's a really good question. So, like you know, again, I'm assuming you know, listener, you you've seen the episode, so we don't need to recap you know the whole thing. But right, uh, so like what what is the Grail, right? So the the way that Alda seemed to to present it. Even early on, I kept thinking that Grail is completely metaphorical, even though he's presenting it as uh, actual and physical. And right, he's on the quest for the, the for the famous chalice. Yeah, for a literal Grail, but yes. at the same time, like you could you could kind of see, especially when he starts sharing his story, that 
it's definitely more metaphorical. And I love this idea of an order where there used to be many people who were on on this quest and looking for it all over the world, and now there's only one person. And But there was one person before, and we don't know for how long there's only been one person. We know that at least for three generations, let's call them, there's only been one person. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. Like, at the end, I feel... I wasn't sure if Aldous meant at the end that he... Like, as he was dying, he could see the grail or, like, or he understood what it meant or if he meant Mm -hmm. that Thomas was the grail, meaning that really it's finding another person. Like, it's not a chalice that will save humanity, but it's a person that can do good. And that's really what he's on a quest for. And he doesn't kind of realize that until the very end. Because I feel that Aldous, although he maybe kind of understood that part of it he didn't he he was still only looking for a literal chalice and i think thomas may start looking for a literal chalice until eventually the path leads him to the understanding that the chalice is another person that's my that's my reading of it what did you think oh no my mind is blown with that reading i didn't get that reading at all i love that (laughs) i'm totally in love with that that thomas is the grail makes me so happy um (laughs) Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm I'm listening to what you say, and I'm thinking maybe it is like like the Membari think that being a true seeker has its own merit, just as being a seeker, you know, someone who's a seeker for truth, and maybe the very act of searching for the quote unquote Grail, because that is what he's there for. He's there to talk to all the ambassadors and ask them if they've seen this cup. <laughs> have you seen my cup? Um, but there's something maybe deeper <laughs> going on, which is what makes it meaningful. But that is kind of strange. Yeah. Just go across the universe. Have you seen my cup? Have you seen my cup? Have you seen my cup? I'm missing my cup. <laughs> <laughs> Grail sounds way better than. than yes, cup. I know. <laughs> I just <laughs> I put it in that perspective just because it it's a thing, it's a thing in the world. But it's supposed to have you know it's supposed to be imbued with some kind of holy essence. That's the reason that it's important is because it was the the cup that Jesus drank from, and. You know that in and of itself. You know, they mentioned King Python's Arthur. Made fun of this a ton. Yeah, they mentioned, they King, mention Arthur King Arthur. Yeah, I don't know what the connection is with King Arthur. When so uh, it, it was, it you, was you under you don't understand the whole quest for the Grail then. Oh right, but but it's, uh, exactly like King Arthur, like the the knights were all looking for the same. Yes, it's the same Grail, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah, same gotcha. Grail gotcha. across time. Yeah. You know, and it's also yeah. the same thing that Indiana Jones was looking for in the third episode of Indiana Jones. Yes, and that's why the one of the knights who the knights who were guarding it were like of the Round Table. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they were seeking for it. Um, I don't know if they ever found it, according to the legend. But the guy who was. <laughs> Forget it. I don't remember the last crusade enough to have this argument. <laughs> oh, well, you know. There was a ghost. In- India supposedly found it, or somebody found it, maybe. But there was like a guard who was a, a knight, and he was a ghost. Yes. He- you remember that? Yeah. Yes, matter. you chose poorly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no ghost here, but uh, uh, we do have Ald- uh, Aldous Gajic, Gajic, I think is his name. It's G-A-J-I-C. It's hmm. really kind of hard to pronounce. I think they maybe pronounced it once or twice 
yeah. in the episode, but played wonderfully by David Warner. He he presents himself as quite an amazing yep. um, acolyte of the Grail, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was a great choice. Yeah, really. And I love this thing. The interesting thing is, I, I remember David Warner. David Warner was also. Uh, did you ever see a movie called Time Bandits? I don't remember. No. It's a it's a Terry Gilliam uh, movie, but uh, David Warner was the bad guy in that, and he was perfectly evil. It was wonderful. Yeah. Um, such a different role for him now in this one. Yeah, but I looked he, at his IMDb page, and I was like, I've seen him in a million things. Why can't I remember a yeah. single one? <laughs> yeah. He's one of those that stands out in the moment, but then once the moment's gone, he's kind of back in the background again. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yes, yeah. um, but you know he he did a really good job of portraying this this figure, and I I love the connection between them and Bari, even though it's momentary. This whole idea of being a true seeker, and how they honor him not for the fact that he's looking for something, but for the fact that he's looking, and you know Sinclair and Garibaldi are just like uh, this is just some kind of crazy mythology that doesn't matter. And this is where she points out that she believes that Sinclair is also a seeker. Mm-hmm. Yep. Foreshadowing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just now, little also, bits and pieces. Yeah. Now, on when she was talking to, to Aldous, they did have this interesting conversation where she was saying that basically the Membari are split up into the spiritual and the military. Yes. And... The That's, warrior cast and the, I yeah. guess, spirit, spiritual cast, religious cast, warrior cast and religious cast. And and Thomas asked, like, do you guys ever, or was it all this? I don't remember. You know, do 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 either do both sides ever agree on anything? She's like, you know, like nothing good ever happens when it on does. On rare occasions, but nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pray it doesn't happen again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that that there is so much to read into right there. That is. That was quite a line. Do you think she was alluding to something we already know about? So I think I think that the Membari War would have only been fought if both of those sides agreed, right? And yeah. we know that the stuff that happened to Sinclair, uh, Delenn was involved in some way. And when he was captured, he wasn't tortured. It was like it, it looked like a religious ceremony, you know. Yeah. So I think I think that just the idea that there's all these. I mean, at at the most basic level, it being that it's a like a, what do you call it? Uh, like here, when we have the three houses, right? Like there's a division of power, and they can yeah. balance each other out. And you know, when when all three uh, houses of Congress are or are all three branches of government are uh, aligned, like things get done. And yeah, right, things actually <laughs> we don't get done. see that very often. <laughs> no, we haven't seen that in a while. Uh, maybe someday, but I pray. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could, it could also go in the side that you don't want. Oh <laughs> uh, you know? yeah. Okay. That's and, fair. And, and that's, that's kind of the, my point, right? That we're like, depending on who's in power, things are going to get done and, and people are going to get hurt. And so in, in this case, if they're divided in half, that means that the entire power, all of the power is focused on one uh, outcome or decision and they're powerful enough where like that's that's dangerous so so like on a political level I, I think it's very simple but in the other sense that it's like like having the conviction of a religious order 
with the physical might of of the military. Like, yeah, I don't uh, know. That's that's, that's, that's terrifying. how things happen that are terrifying on yeah. Earth. I mean, yep. if you look at the Crusades, that that was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and all the different things, you know, holy wars, that's that's a terrifying prospect because you have nothing to lose when you're in a holy war. Yeah. yeah. You're you're either going to be fighting on the on the planet or rewarded in heaven. Yep. That's it's or, or, it's a win-win scenario for the warrior. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, and like we don't know much about what the beliefs are of the Mimbari. Like I couldn't I couldn't name, you know, a whole bunch of them. But yeah. like Delenn seems benevolent, but you know there was that war. Like I don't know. There's who knows. But just that idea, like of playing with the religion, is is really interesting. Yeah, but it depends yeah, on the and, beliefs. You know, she doesn't talk about outliers. Like it, it, it's hard to imagine that there's not outliers, warrior cast, religious cast, and outcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this in the past, that, that great episode where where Sinclair shows all of the different religious oh, leaders yeah. from, from Earth. Yeah. And we talked about this, like, well, you know, we don't see, we haven't seen that really in alien races. We don't see that in general when alien races are portrayed. You usually see one person, and so you base the entire civilization on that one example that you have because you don't have other examples to compare it to. So yeah. we really don't know if it's, you know, What's the equivalent of a Protestant in in uh, Mimbari, Mimbari culture? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, like who branched off and started another another one, and how big is that? And will that one like is that the one that overtook? I don't know. Like, there's a lot of history there that, that could be explored. I guess. And I guess that's a beautiful thing. We can we can call attention to our own culture, like we did in that episode, and then we can slowly but surely peel back the layers of the the other that's yeah. out there. Yeah. In, in hopes of understanding them or in hopes of advancing the story in some way. Yeah. Like in Aldous's case, he's another branch of some sort of, you know, religious order that existed on Earth. Yeah. You know, I, w- I would count him as that. Kind of similar to the Knights Templar. I would put him in that kind of yeah realm, I guess. He seems guess. a little less bent on domination than maybe the Knights did. Yeah, yeah. And just very, I don't know, he had a very strong belief. Again, this idea of a seeker. Like mm-hmm. he's seeking. This is this one's this one's interesting because when I hear the word seeker, I think of a seeker of truth. Yeah. And but and like like an hour before we started recording, I was listening to another podcast where they were talking about uh, not anything <laughs> related to what we're talking about now. But but there was a comment where someone said Oh, you know, like I'm, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian who believes that, you know, Jesus died for my sins and was resurrected and, and, you know, went up to heaven, blah, blah. And the guy she's interviewing says, yeah, you know, it takes, you know, there are certain type of people who are, who are willing to believe something that they can never prove. Just, just like, just like super casual, just said it to her yeah, and that's, just kept going. That just dropped into the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And the way he said it wasn't like, like it was just in the, that was just part of a longer sentence in another breath, you know, because it was, yeah. it was part of the point that he was making that people, people have beliefs and there are things that you, that you can't prove, but you have to deal with the fact that other people have certain beliefs. And some of those beliefs, are, again, are things that you can never prove. So he's always, in this case, he, like Aldous is literally trying to prove this thing true because 
it's like why the need to find the chalice if you like simply believing in the chalice was not enough so he had to actually go and find it so in that way it's a strange religious order yeah you know because most religions like you can't actually you need to die to be able to exp- to prove your point <laughs> yeah that's true and and you know the thing is so if you're following, maybe just the very idea of following something is its own spiritual path as opposed to trying to get the something. I mean, you go through the motions to try to find the thing, but just trying to find something, hide and go seek in the universe, is really not a spiritual path, so to speak. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, what, I, that's what I think. I mean, that's, that's the way I see it. It's like, what, where is your faith if, you, if, you, if your purpose is to prove the thing? That you're like, well, like, do you believe it or not? And if you do, then why do you need to actually find it? Now I think I need to read up on on King Arthur and understand why in the world <laughs> they were looking for it in the first place. I think it was meant to be some way to bring Camelot back together after the fall of Camelot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Makes so sense. So you know, he maybe the idea is I don't know. If you find this thing, what what do you do then? <laughs> but I found it. Yeah. My, my, I'm done. I'm gonna go and uh, be a householder now and uh, have a wife and uh, just uh, live a normal life now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's again like I be- I believe that he believes that it's true and that's why he's looking for it. Yes, but he doesn't like if that's the only thing that he's doing, right? It, it seemed like that was his only purpose. Was he also going around and helping people along the way? Is that part of it? Is, he did seem to be. He seemed to be. He certainly took up for uh for Jinxo. Yeah. Or yeah. Thomas. Thomas. And so I don't know. I mean it's a it's a I'd love to explore I don't know. Have you have you looked into Babylon Five fan fiction? I would like to see what other people think about some of these characters. <laughs> I have not looked into fan fiction. I, I, I probably should at some point. I want to read, read Thomas a Jinxo, couple of the books. The um, Seeker and the books are hard to find now because mm. they, they did books that were psychor books and things like that that fit in the middle or in the stretch of these arcs that we're, we're looking at. But oh. those are really hard to find now. If you go to uh, you go to Amazon, they're, they're worth a lot now because they're not printed anymore for some reason. Damn. But I've got a couple on my shelf. At some point I need to go back and check them out. But they're psychor books, so they're not really – we haven't okay. seen a lot of psychor recently. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, it's that so, idea of like there's all of these other areas to explore, and and granted, this particular person who is only one person in the in the universe who is doing this, mm-hmm. he talks about an order, but it's really a person. <laughs> yeah. Right. At, at at what point is it? Is it still an order? Now, he like Thomas it could recruit like a, a other people. <laughs> He could build it up. That's true. He could he could become his own uh, uh, apostle to yeah. to this religion. Yeah. But there is something else going on for uh, for Aldous because he's not he's seeking. Yes, he's seeking the cup. He's also making impacts on people, and even this thing where he shows up and he tries to stop the Nakaline feeder. The feeder pays attention to what he says. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's some willfulness or power that he is in some way commanding because obviously this Nocturne feeder did not see fit to 
to hit anybody at that point. Not until after it escaped did it actually hit anybody again. But while it's coming face to face with Aldous, it's just like, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. Yeah, he 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 commanded it to show yes. itself. Almost like uh, like if you look back in the Bible, almost like casting out a demon or pulling forth a demon from someone. Uh, yeah, could be. What did he say? There's nothing in the dark that... I, 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 I just nothing to fear in the dark or something like that. And he, he calls him out to try to, yeah. to come out and, and be present, which See, is when we get the first clear look at the Nocoline feeder all on its own. Now there's no, uh, there's no real explanation of what was happening there. So we never got any clarity on whether or not the Nocoline feeder was, um, in trouble, like was a slave basically. Oh yeah, okay. or if or if he was doing something. I mean, there was this part where it was like, "Feed me, Seymour," right? Yes, feed <laughs> me, <he> Seymour, <laughs> <laughs> right? And and so in that sense, like, who was working for who? I don't know. Well, so there's this call that that Londo makes, I guess, to his home planet, and he says, "You know, put the quarantine back up." So apparently, there's a, a stretch of land or some place where this Nocoline feeder exists that he was like. uh we we sealed that off. We're done with that. And and now, as far as I can tell, whatever quarantine had been put in place in the first place is now opened up. So that's how this Nocoline feeder ends up on the station. But yeah. yeah, whether or not it's a slave or it's there on its own, if it has its own will, if it's sentient, or, I mean, it, it clearly has language and yeah. it clearly has ability to make choices, but it may not be, you know, super intelligent sentience, you know. It just, I know, I want you to feed me. I can speak your language in order to get you to feed me. And it can wipe your memory. Yeah, which I guess is how it eats. I guess it eats memory. Yeah, but maybe. it also kills yeah. you in the process. Yeah. So, so it's like none of, none of that is clear. And then, so when Aldous commands it to show itself, yeah, is it is it doing that? Like I'm here to help you come out, or or like you said, is it like exercising a demon? It's like you will not have any sway over me and the people in this room. Stop right. it. I'm here to stop you. Like was you it shall uh, not pass. Yeah. But <laughs> instead, you know, Garibaldi and his troops shot up the the place and I'm unclear on what happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, clearly something good was about to happen and the fact that we brought more people and more chaos into it, it fell apart. I don't know but, if anything good was going to happen. I don't know that Aldous wasn't going to die uh, at the hands of the feeder. Oh, well, it, 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 the feeder wasn't going to hit him. Uh, the feeder I, stepped back I from Aldous. Know. He got right up to his face, and then he stepped back. Yeah, but that's like, I mean, it, it could be. It could be like some sort of reverence. It could also be. Who does this guy think he is? I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of here and then I'm gonna I'm gonna hit him with two tentacles instead of just one. <laughs> yeah, it could be two. So but you know, it, it never it never got that far. And and they shot up the, the feeder to the point where it was, you know, mush. Yeah, it died. Yeah. Oh, they did CG blood. You saw that? Yeah. It was like they yeah. went completely the feeder itself didn't look too bad, actually, compared to the And shit it was all CG stuff. too, which is a, yeah. a pretty pretty big deal. Yeah, um, I was yeah, reading yeah. about this, and apparently they they sunk a lot of money into making this thing work to actually have this knockaline feeder on there. Oh, I mean, and I'm sure they used they used the material that they the uh, the program or the apparatus, whatever that they did to create him. I'm sure they used it again later, but 
that was the first time they were able to pull it all together and make this thing. So they put a lot of money into it. And and you could tell because he looked way better than the ship and everything else. <laughs> so far. <laughs> Babylon 5, where the most real thing is the Nocaline feeder. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, so there's a lot of stuff that, I don't know, wasn't wasn't clear there. So we really, because none of that was clear, there's also less clarity in in Aldous. Like, there's this, there's this, like, was Aldous really spiritual? Was he, was there really an order? Did he make the whole thing up? Like, you know, like, was he like kind of out of his mind and he just, you know, was going around like this rich person who, you know, became a hermit and started walking around and started believing. I don't know. There's like so many different versions that we'll, we'll never sure. know. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's still, it's, it's still really interesting. And it, he was able to pass that on. <laughs> and, and here, look at this, you know, from this perspective, we're, you know, this is one of the things that we talk about and kind of looking at people who are maybe having mental health issues, you know, the idea that we, you know, we look at them as something else because we don't have a, we have a particular view that views them that way. But apparently if you were a Mimbari and you were doing this, it wouldn't matter whether or not you had some kind of, uh, some kind of reality to your goal. The very act that you were involved in the goal made you a sacred person. And that's yeah, so I different from, from the way that the West works, where we're like, oh, you don't think like us, you don't fit our bill, so therefore we're going to cast you into uh, a particular mold so we can explain you because you just don't fit our way of looking at the world. But also in the sense of, of religion and belief and, and things like that, I mean... Pretty much every religion is like that, right? It's like one person believed a thing and then shared that story with other people, and enough people started believing it that then it became a system or a, I don't know, a religion or, or whatever or an order, you know, like like his. Yeah, I don't think it's it's that different from any other uh, belief system. Again, when we're talking about the Mambari, it's different because they have like power rings and souls that can float right and, and are yeah. visible so like there's way more going on with the mambari than than and, and again most of it can i'm assuming that in this world it, it could be explained scientifically we had a really good conversation about you know what is what is going on there yeah uh, what is a soul is it a soul you know uh, yeah. things like that but uh in on earth we don't have anything like that and and all this was representative of you know a whole bunch of orders that that have appeared on earth yeah pretty much yeah and and something apparently that uh the mimbari would look up to like i didn't know you had this kind of person on your planet yeah yeah now we look up to you more <laughs> yeah i didn't know you dirty apes were capable of uh <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much yeah <laughs> <laughs> such a condescending view of us. Did you have such a person in your group? Yeah. I think the rest of you are all just slime compared to this man. Yep. <laughs> so we get this kind of huge battle scene, death scene for Aldous, which he doesn't get killed by the feeder, which is kind of amazing. He gets killed by a gunshot because he saves uh he saves uh Jinxo. He got shot uh, in the arm. That bothered Thomas. me. Thomas. Yeah, that, that bothered me too. Like he was <laughs> shot in the shoulder or the arm and he's going to die. Yep. 
they yeah okay faux pas on the part of the storyline but yeah. you know something happened to cause aldous to die maybe he had a heart attack maybe there's a number of things could go could be going on we didn't get to see the the autopsy or the end of everything yeah uh, but then apparently his faith his belief his willingness to follow this uh lost relic has inspired Thomas to be Thomas, to be a whole new person, to do something completely different. So, Thomas leaves with his beatific <laughs> smile on his face. So uh, I have a point about this. Yes. Which is, um, man, sometimes religion is hard to talk about because I don't want to insult anybody. Absolutely. So I'm sorry for anybody that I'm going to insult. But, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go around, uh, <laughs> take the long way to get where I want to go. Okay. Uh, I was recently reading about um, scams uh, and spam, uh, like um, that you get by email. Yeah. And how it's usually like there's lots of typos and grammar mistakes, and and it's all you know like like you won't take it seriously because of the way that it's written. Yeah. And I read that those emails are written that way deliberately to filter out the people who would never even consider something like that because of the way that it's written. Interesting. So, so then what you have is you have like a small percentage of people who would actually take something that looks like that seriously. And that's the type of person who would probably uh, fall for the scam. Yeah. In this case, Thomas believed that he was jinxed. He believed this wholeheartedly. Yes. He's the type of person that believed, had a certain belief that he like he was responsible for the destruction or the lack of destruction of every single Babylon station. It's it's call it a superstition, but it yeah. was a belief, a belief that only he shared, that only he had, and he believed so strongly that he was basically living homeless in in you know on the bottom of Babylon 5 yeah just because he believed this so hard so i think yeah. he's the only type of person and possibly the only person on Babylon 5 who would have believed Aldous and thus be, been able to take over that role okay hmm. i'm i'm still with you i'm just kind of puzzling it over yeah that's, you're, that's, you're at that's, Barnum and Bailey, uh, you know, there's a sucker born every minute kind of thing. Kind of. I mean, that, that's not necessarily my point, but <laughs> I think I think that it takes a certain type of person to be like Aldous, right? Yes. To, to yeah. be willing to believe something like that or take on something like that. In this case, like, you know, like, like I'm not saying that all religions or, or all religious people uh, fall in like, you know, that, that are easy to fool kind of thing. But I used the example before. It's like, I don't think, I think that only a, a particular type of person could, could possibly take over that cause that, that Aldous had. And we're presented with exactly that, like the only person who it probably could have been, which is someone who believed something like that and, and, and like in that case he was the only he, that was his only belief like i'm or because that was his ability to to believe things is a little far outstretched from other people's well like like his his belief was so strong and his responsibility uh, or you know in, in that curse that like now he just he he basically switched it right like he had that yeah. experience with aldous and then he was like oh well i believe in this new thing now and yeah and so he took on this cause and he left. Like, 
if what Aldous would have said before were true about him being so such a good person um, because he's not willing to leave because he's trying to protect the people, um, he obviously didn't believe that anymore because he left. Or he thought that the cause of finding the chalice was more important than saving the lives of everyone on Babylon 5. Oh, hell, My- so Josue, good God. <laughs> <laughs> I can't just watch a show, okay? <laughs> no, and and, and that's fine. <laughs> I I kind of thought that maybe you know as a result of this, he th- he began to see that um, maybe he wasn't right about what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Because if my belief can be switched so easily, and now I see someone who is who has come into my world who is actually someone of integrity and value and doesn't shirk away from a a destiny or doesn't shirk away from their personal responsibility towards the world. And I, I, I'm thinking, you know, that for Thomas, it was a turning point for him. Like, I've this man who didn't know me has taken me under his wing. He's protected me. He's been nothing but kind to me. And now in the process of being kind to me, he has sacrificed himself for me. And so now I am seeing things in a much different way, and I want to honor everything that he did because he did this for me, and this is what it made me feel. I'm going to follow this path. That's also possible. I mean, I get the devil's advocate position. I hadn't yeah. actually thought of it because I'm I'm very glass half full sort of guy. Um, but I, I can see what you're talking about, and it, you're right. You know, he is the kind of person who has who can turn on faith like that. You know, one oh. of the challenges of being a very empirical, evidence based person outside of, you know, having my own little magical thinking that comes up once in a while, is that <laughs> it, it's that, you know, if somebody says there's a ghost, I'm probably less likely to see the ghost than they are because my empirical mind and my way of apprehending the universe requires me to question everything I see. And those people who would, would say, yes, that ghost is real, have a certain level of belief in that and everything that their belief allows will point them to what they want to believe. For instance, my parents believe that a ghost lives in their house. They also believe that they have exercised that ghost at one point and it went somewhere else. That's, I I can't fault or refute it because I have no experience with it whatsoever. I hear the stories they tell. They tell stories of tangible things happening, like doors opening and lights coming on and laughter or at least what they thought was laughter in the house when nobody was there things of that nature and i just look at that and my mind has not ever experienced anything like that and i worry that it's because i have a certain level of we'll call it scientific aspect or to or something to it that doesn't allow me to see what other people might see if they can suspend the scientific aspect what do you mean that you wish you could see what they see sure yeah. I'd be very yeah. happy to. Yeah. But then I know that probably I'm going to find some way to explain it away. And whether or not I'm right or they're right at that point is anybody's guess. Yeah. But their belief is so strong because they see it this way, and my belief is so strong I see it this way. I think it's I mean, no surprise my, we my studied parents psychology. Have, have had have had direct experiences with ghosts that they both independently viewed and asked each other if they saw it and they said yes so that's my dad has said that he's seen unidentified flying objects 
can't do anything about that except say that I haven't. That I'm jealous of. And I of. wonder whether or not my mind state would allow me to. That I'm really jealous of. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. The, the problem with that is that once I see something like that, then then all the question of faith goes out the window. Now I have something that says, yep, there's something. As opposed to, I don't know if there's something. Yeah. So, Jinxo, Thomas, is a I don't know if there's something person. And uh, I guess Aldous might also be two. Uh, Sinclair and Garibaldi are a... No, I'm only going to believe it if I see it with my eyes. No, but but uh, Thomas is a... I'm a believer because I saw it. Like Because to him what happened to each of the Babylon stations was proof. Like that moment when as, as he's yes. like, as his shuttle is flying away, he's like, it exploded. That was proof for him. Yeah. And so he has, yeah. he has irrefutable proof, <laughs> right? That n- nobody else believes except him, but he, he completely believes it. He has that proof. He saw it in a particular way that no one else did until he didn't. There's a little Easter egg thrown in here by uh, JMS and crew for this episode, and that is the mm-hmm. fact that Thomas gets on the transport called the Marie Celeste. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that? I didn't know anything about the Marie Celeste, but basically it's a reference to a sailing ship that was found adrift on the sea in 1872, um, and uh, the crew was missing, as was her single lifeboat. But there were half-eaten meals in the mess hall, and there's other evidence that the crew had left suddenly. So investigators found that Captain Morehouse of the De Gracia, De Gracia uh, which was the boat that found uh, the Celeste, had dined with Captain Briggs on the Celeste the night before the departure, and Morehouse and his crew were tried for murder. But there was no hard evidence. They were acquitted, and the missing crewmen were never found. And so I don't know what that plays into in terms of the the story here. Yeah, like what's uh, the Jinxo what's the gets reference? on a boat that <laughs> Jinxo gets on a boat that basically is is doomed. I guess I don't know. Um, hmm. He he called it a kind of a dark sense of humor at the end. Uh, let's see, what did he say exactly? He said, uh, "We're a sick bunch, but we're fun." <laughs> that would be interesting. Like if you couple that with everything that. Uh I said maybe not so much what you said, <laughs> right? In that, like, pff, these are, like they're the only ones who believe this in the in the in the universe. Like nobody else does. Like, like, and then they get on this ship that's destined to, you know, like he's gonna disappear. So the whole thing was for naught anyway. <laughs> that is kind of twisted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean. What's interesting about the episode is that there are no answers at mm-hmm. all. So so that's why, again, I figured we would have a good conversation where we could talk about it from different angles. And we definitely saw it differently. <laughs> yes. That's been the highlight of this show so far. I thought we'd agree more. We'd agree. Or we'd see things the same more often. Just becoming the best part. Yeah, well, I think the thing for, I mean, Babylon 5 holds such a center point in my life that a lot of decisions kind of coalesced around my watch of Babylon 5 uh, that I, I may have a completely different mythology for Babylon 5 than other people do. Yeah, yeah. 
but I, I love getting to see it from your perspective and learning more about how somebody else might see it differently than I do. Yeah. Um, cause I'm a, I'm a person who's walking in from a, a space of, uh, you know, especially at the time I was watching Babylon Five, I'm coming in from a, a place of being involved in all my, all my master's degree psychology classes, which are full of spiritual aspects and Buddhist psychology and and things of that nature. So I may be seeing it from a completely different perspective than someone who say came from Albert Ellis's school of thought would be seeing things. For instance, <laughs> possibly. I think. I think I. Well, that's a conversation for another day. But um, I think I think we're not that that different <laughs> uh, in our in our uh, what influences our way of thinking. I don't think is is all that different. That's why I'm surprised at the times that we've looked at things differently. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Again, I, I enjoyed this episode a lot. But honestly, a lot yeah. of these perspectives and things that like I didn't think about them while I was watching. They're coming up now as we're discussing it. Which is the, maybe the point? What? Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> we talk about this all the time. Like taking the time to reflect on something, taking the time to reflect on an experience. There's there's some insights <laughs> you can gather, uh, not only about the the you know the content and the media that you're watching, but you know about yourself and and you know putting that. Uh, you know, bouncing it off of you and, and and you bouncing it off of me, then I think shows a little bit about ourselves. And definitely, like, I, I thought it was, uh, like you said, oh, I tend to see things uh, glass half full. I'm like, I think so do I. But, like, like I didn't see my perspective as necessarily a, a negative. I just saw okay. it as, like, a definitely a, a real possibility that was, I, 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 I feel like my perspective... Again, you can disagree too, but I feel like my perspective was more grounded in reality than, and yours seemed more uh, fantastical. And, and my my in my mind, I hear the word cynical. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you, you yeah. might have saw it, but I mean, I I tend to Pollyanna things. I I see things in a very bright way, even when they're not bright, which and may yet, be a curse in a, a gain. And when you were talking about like, you know, like the ghosts or, or you know, like you need to see something, you, you kept saying, oh, I, I'm empirical minded. And I'm like, no, you're super cynical. That's what you are. <laughs> 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 that was what I was thinking, too. <laughs> it, all of it. I mean, I'm a walking contradiction. I'm 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 screwed. We're both very I cynical. I have spiritual interest in and I'm in a spiritual I have a spiritual interest and I'm in an empirical body. I don't know how to put it, but you know, I, I've always kind of straddled the line between I believe and I don't believe, um, you know, and it's, uh, it's a weird place to be. And I've never been able to pull myself one way or the other out of it. I have, I'll have punctuated moments where I'm highly spiritual and punctuated moments where I'm highly material. I th- I think we both do this. I and mean, we've both done this on the show. Like, I mean, if you, if you recall, how I started this episode and my explanation of the metaphorical grail and Thomas being yeah, the grail. Yeah. Right. And then like, I totally see that possibility and I read it that way, but at the same time, I am, I think I'm pretty knowledgeable in how religions are formed and how beliefs are formed and how, you know, 
you know, how psychology, you know, yeah. can describe some things. And it's like, well, you know, at the same time, we have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Another no. interesting possibility would be, you know, the, the cynical view that I just presented. I think they're both fun. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I agree. I just I I liked seeing I liked that initial seeing Thomas as the Grail. That's that's fan, that that's gonna stick with me for a while now, because mm. that is a depth mm. I had not looked into that relationship with Thomas and Aldous. Yeah, sorry for you know tearing it down later on. No, in the episode. no. <laughs> it doesn't. I still uh, I still stand by the first one. I still think. That Aldous's perspective. This is the thing. Like one thing is looking at it from the outside, but if you look at it, like my my original uh, explanation or or theory for what was happening, I was really just asking questions. But I was looking at it from the perspective of Aldous, yeah, and possibly his mentor, and now the way that that Thomas will look at it. But if I stand from the outside, you know, and and I and I don't try to, you know, empathize with what what was happening in the in that moment or what or what Aldous went through. I can come up with a completely different experience, which I think is the whole point of belief, right? It's like even the example of your parents and seeing the, and, and having these experiences with ghosts, it's like, I don't know so much that it was like, there is so much, uh, um, priming and background and education and experience that happened to them that didn't happen to you. That kind of allows that experience to be interpreted in a particular way. And there's a lot there. Like there's so much that that could have happened, and and happens every day to that allow us to believe the things that we believe. I'm yeah. super cynical, but I also like, psh, yeah, my magical thinking is like I know it doesn't make sense, but it's like you know that's what I, I, I kind of get it. I have beliefs that I, there are things you believe in and things you don't. I think I think every strong belief is has a counter belief, you know. Like, and if this and is probably true, in you that counter, that counter belief, uh, you know, it's it's both inside. You know, you're always kind of stuck between. You're always trying to come up with synthesis for the thesis and antithesis kind of thing. You're always well, trying to put it all together and make it clear. But it's, and I'm not speaking just of you. I'm just speaking of all of us as human beings. We're always trying to kind of synthesize what's going on and make sense of it, get some picture of reality, and we're stuck behind all these lenses. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, there, there are things like that are like dichotomies in ourselves, or like things that are, you know, opposites. But but I but what what I meant was more like if I believe this one thing, then is true. Then, by definition, this other thing can't be true. So, so I can't possibly believe what what you believe because I believe this other thing, and so like by virtue of having this one belief, this other thing can't be true, and. I think that's if you're doing it right. <laughs> I think that most people uh, have difficulty um, with that. Now I'm just being like too vague to, to be well, making Well, I mean, the following statement but... is true. The preceding statement was false. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's, where, <laughs> that's where we're at. But, you know, you're right. It it's It's the reflection on the media that makes the difference because it's not, the media is not, this is something I had to learn as I was moving through all my different philosophy studies, you know, it, it's not so much the static verse that's in front of us or the static picture or the static story that's in front of us. It's the intersection between us and story. And then if we have several of us intersecting between, you know, with story, then we can pull much more meaning out of it simply because we are all bringing our own perspective to the table. 
And if we make that perspective a point of talking, we can learn a lot more about ourselves and other people and the depths that exist that aren't always covered. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one One thing that I... One of the of being a deep thinker. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I tell people constantly is that, that, you know, whatever the artist's intention was, doesn't matter in the end because it's really what your experience of it was. So it really doesn't matter what JMS is trying to say. <laughs> in in this case, I think that that writer's room uh, was too vague to say anything. Like they, they like I feel like they purposely left so many things in the air that they're uh, up for interpretation. Because yeah. again, this is one of those things where I'm assuming we'll never see any of these people again. <laughs> so there will be no answers. But even if we did get answers, it doesn't it doesn't take away from the conversation that we just had. No, it it doesn't at all. And uh yeah, I I can't remember if there is ever any reference to this again or not because uh, obviously I'm seeing things from a future that you have not seen yet. But um there are a lot of episodes in Babylon 5 that are just they're one-offs, they're momentary. They're, you know, they're not a campaign, they're they're uh, just a a one-off or a one-shot kind of uh situation. Um. Oh, oh! I, there's one thing that I mm-hmm. that I thought about during the episode that panned out not to be the case, but I still want to run it by you. Okay. When we first saw the fake Kosh, yes, I started thinking that what if the uh, but they're the Vorlon, uh-huh. like what if they're all really just like the Illuminati in suits, and there can be all these different types of races of aliens oh. in within them. So this particular one has like tentacles and stuff, but it's different than what the doctor saw when he opened up Kosh to save him. Uh-huh. So I started thinking like, oh, like what if Vorlons are just suits? And like someone like, this is like a dead Vorlon suit that they took on. Later on, they confirmed that, I mean, the impression I got was that they they made that suit to look like Kosh to, yeah. to provide the illusion. But th- again, it's just, there's so much mystery around the Vorlon that and really nobody knows anything about them or their physiology. So, I, I entertained that idea while I was watching the episode that maybe the Vorlon aren't an alien race. They're more like a a group of powerful beings who all wear these suits to to hide each other, like a to like hide a, themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, wasn't true, but it was. But I was I, like I was it. thinking about you know the fact that they had this this suit, and I was like, well. Kosh must have uh, shed his skin. <laughs> like it just somewhere, there's just Vorlon suits piling up. <laughs> oh, it, um, I don't remember seeing his eye before, like in a close-up. Uh huh. And here, it it looked like a like a camera lens. It is a little bit like a camera lens. I think the one thing that gave it away to me, well, I'm I'm watching it, you know, third or fourth time now, but. Um, there was no light coming out of the Vorlon eye on the one with the knuckling feeder in it. Oh yeah, true, true. Yeah, it was like off, right? It was like yeah. it was very much just it's there. a turned off Vorlon. <laughs> yeah. But when but when Kosh was talking, they like zoomed into his eye and it like yeah. opened and closed like a lens would and like a, the aperture on a lens would. Yeah. And I thought that was like I forget that it's more like a Dalek, really, right? There's something inside of that um like we're looking at a at a at a mech suit, you know, really, and right. I forget that. Yeah, 
and and that kind of adds to the fact that that is there because I guess if you're 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 but that's important though because it, why is it if it's if it's moving in the midst of discussion why is it doing that is there there's some focusing going on or something that's interesting yeah yeah what's he taking pictures of <laughs> exactly <laughs> mom dad you'll never believe what the captain did today <laughs> Oh, I took a picture of him while he was confronting me. <laughs> also, I have a new conspiracy theory. If Jakar and Kosh have never been seen in the same place, does that mean they're the same person? <gasps> ah. I hope not because I want to see Jakar confront Kosh and have, have they, awkward have conversations. Have they really never been in the same place? I don't think they have yet. But That's fascinating to me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't even it hadn't even occurred to me, but I mean, there's there's probably characters that have not been in the same place together. I feel like I've blown your mind three times in this conversation so far. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun because my because, mind is easy to blow. <laughs> well, I mean, there's this there's this. But no, I I appreciate this, it. Yeah, there are these moments where you're like, you know, I've seen the episode three or four times. It's like I never thought of that, and I, I'm over here like, like raising my fist, like yeah, <laughs> I did it. <laughs> <laughs> You probably thought of it before. You just don't remember. You know who knows. But I I hadn't thought about the 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 uh, the focusing lens at all yeah. yet. Yeah. So there there are always things. I, <laughs> that's one thing I love about a good. If it's if I really love something, I can find meaning in it over and over and over again. I like that. Um, yeah. Just real quick before we go, yeah. just uh, how'd you? I mean, it's just a one-off. It's just a momentary thing in the story, but. How did you like the uh, the the trial with the gray alien? Oh yes, I've, I'm his so great, glad you brought that up. Grandfather might have abducted him. <laughs> yeah, it's like he wants reparations, so right, for this thing. Uh huh. But I love I love that it's it's a this stereotypical so semi mystical to us right now. <laughs> but it's like it's the stereotypical little green alien. You know, from, yeah, from old sci-fi. With the big head and, and the, the skinny with neck. With the big head and the eyes. Yep. And it's, no, yep. he abducted my, my you know, my great-great-grandfather. It's like, oh, abductions happened on Earth before, like, <laughs> before it was just normal. Like, it's one thing, it's like, it's almost like two different mythologies, right? It's, oh, yeah. the, the X-Files aliens that are coming down and abducting people. And then there's like, oh, yeah, like. You know, we're a part of a bigger universe, and and you know we have alien immigrants, and so like they're too, they're so distant that I I loved seeing that and, and yeah. at the same time, like coinciding because I don't remember, like I don't remember ever seeing like one of these sci-fi shows where we're where we're like completely integrated and people are talking about abductions. That's that's so good. <laughs> it's so good. That was really good. I would like to see what the uh, outcome of that hearing was. I know. See, this whole episode was like, look at this thing. We're not. We're, that's it. <laughs> we're that's not going to focus get. on that at all. <laughs> that's all you get. <laughs> and the judge is like, I bet this other guy doesn't get cases like this. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I get all these cases? That's also a great show idea, like a Judge Judy in the future in space yeah. with aliens. Oh, man. You should do that one. Oh, that that I, would be good. <laughs> you can kind of follow that that thread right there, and then there are other threads you can probably follow. Listen, CBS is going crazy with the Star Trek shows. I say they should uh -huh. do it. <laughs> yeah. 
Law and Order. They didn't do so hot with their Twilight Zone episodes, so. It, Law and Order. Star Trek. Star Trek, Law and Order. A crossover. I love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> and Star Trek's used court drama a few times, actually. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's that moment where, you know, it's uh, uh, trying to convince uh, everyone that Data is uh, has a right to make his own decisions. I love that one. Also, we saw the court for the first time on Babylon 5. That's Another, true. That's yeah. true. So you're you're fleshing out your view of Babylon 5 to get a, a view of a lot of areas. You, you I saw need to look down under or I, down below. Yeah. You saw the court. Yep. Uh, yeah. Is Expanded. there a map? Do you know if there's a map? I'm I'm sure there is. I don't have it, but I'm sure if you look online and look for a Babylon 5 map, you will probably find it. I'm getting to the if point where If it's not I... created by JMS, it's created by somebody in fanfic, and it's it's there. I need one at this point, because every time <laughs> they show the CG station, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> like, that's something that I'm, I'm very grateful for on uh, most sci-fi that, you know, where ships have, like, a top and a bottom. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, upper deck, lower deck, and things like that. But this this cylinder is driving me insane. And, like, I, I'm so confused by the dimensions and, the like, the, the frame. Uh, there's no frame of reference for size. So, like, yeah. sometimes, you know, a the ship comes off of it. A, a ship comes off of it and it looks really tiny because it, it – it, but it's supposed to be really large. And other times, like, you know, like the the fighters come off of it and they look huge next to – I don't I don't know. It may just be me, so I need, I need to see. Well, when you at look scale, at it on the background of the the planet, it, it, you can see it stretching across the planet, basically. But that doesn't mean that it's as long as the planet, because it can't be, probably. But what? It's what, just what, the distance from the planet. But how big is that planet? That I don't know. That's the thing. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's Jupiter. I don't know. See, like, tell me what planet it is, and then I'll have scale, and then. I understand. There's like five thousand people on there, but like I don't know. I don't know. I think it's. I uh, need a map. I'm gonna look up yeah, a map. Look up a map. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm sure you'll find it. I wish there was one of those DK guides, the, the DK visual guide to Babylon Five. That's uh, that'd make me happy. I don't think that's out there. I don't think it was made. Mm. <laughs> you can easily look around the Enterprise, or yeah. I think you might even be able to easily look around uh, around the TARDIS, which is supposed to be kind of infinite inside, but. Yeah. Um, people still like visual visual representations, so I yeah. need one. <laughs> yeah. Well, if 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 I'm one, uh, throw it my way so I can take a look at it. We'll do. All right. So next time we will uh, talk about eyes. E y e s. The eyes have it. I like it. Yep. All right. Well, Josue, uh, we'll we'll do it in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. And, and for everybody else who's listening, uh, we'll do it on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. <laughs>